This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 168. My name is Nick Howell. Fuck, man. You don't have to put on the red light. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I don't want the red light coming on in any more matches with The Fiend. How about you? Welcome to the show. It's Busted Wide Open podcast, and we are here to go over this week's Raw episode, as well as we've also got to talk about Impact's Bound for Glory pay-per-view. And we've also got to talk a little bit about New Japan and some uh, some NXT UK and a few other things. So it's it's going to be a fun show today, Nick. Yes. But uh, before we do that, let's do some housekeeping. Let everyone know who we are, what we do, where to find us, and then we can get in and start talking about this week in the graps. Yes, the haps with the graps. But first, we got to talk about where you guys can find us on all the socials. We uh, we the hub of our operation is over on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open and like our page. Send us a join request to get into the discussion group, uh, as well as join our Discord server. Which, if you're watching here on YouTube, you can find in a link in the description below, or you can find it pinned across all of our social media profiles. Uh, but that is where our community is located and the hub of our operation. You can find everything to do with Busted Wide Open in both of those places. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Right here on YouTube, streaming live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern uh, at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, like all the videos that you watch and you think uh, deserve that thumbs up, and uh, make sure you hit that notification bell so you get alerted anytime we put up new content or schedule new live events such as this one. Last but certainly not least, uh, we want to thank all of our patrons. Uh, thank you very much for all of your support, all of your hard-earned dollars every single month that go into this. We hope it is a rewarding experience for you, getting access to all of the perks such as show notes, uh, the ability to ask listener questions for our patron mailbag series that we launched a few weeks ago, and the ability to get access to bonus episodes, which... Patrons, we got a surprise for you for your October episode. It's not going to be what you expect, and I can't wait for you to hear it, and I can't wait for it to get out there on the airwaves and into your ear Yeah, for people people to finally hear it, more than just a dozen people to have heard this episode. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah, wink, wink, hint, hint. 
Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, we're on the race to 1,000 subscribers at YouTube. So we want to make sure that if you see that goal, if you're watching us here, we're getting there. We're a little over 350 right now, about a third of the way there. But, man, they're cranking up. We're seeing about you know 8 to 10 of them a week. Let's keep that momentum going. Uh, if we can get there by the end of the year, we might have a nice surprise for you. So the push to 1,000 subscribers continues because that's going to do a lot for this show and help open up the airwaves. So tell your family. Tell your friends, come check out the Busted Wide Open podcast. Amen. Well, Nick, speaking of that podcast, we should probably get on on the road and actually do the podcast, shouldn't we? And we have lots to discuss, Nick. But before we discuss any of it, we have to discuss the most important things of all, and that is the big news. I'm going to do it. I save it for the normally at the end of the show, but this is big enough to warrant a beep, 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 beep. <laughs> It is pretty big. It's, uh, it's actually, it's particularly significant because of what happened over the last couple of weeks, but New Japan just announced that they are actually officially making, uh, they're forming an American subsidiary, an, uh, an official American expansion called New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. And this is, this is phase three of their international business plan. The first the first step was them looking for talent. Step two was starting to run shows in the U.S. and other countries and other markets, but primarily the U.S. This is phase three, actually mm. setting up a permanent inroad into the U.S. and doing lots more tours, live shows. They said that they are a live show company, and they want to do more tours consistently here in the U.S. without taking away from their Japan shows. So already they've said that they've got five major markets they want to work in. That's the West Coast. They've got six cities in uh, four states on the West Coast. They've got in the mid, they've got seven cities across six states up near Chicago in that area. Uh, Texas, there's four cities in Texas they want to run. In the Southeast, six cities across four states down into uh, Florida, Missouri down there. Uh, And in the East, four cities across three (laughs) states. You can tell I got family down there. But yeah, so this is this is actually a fairly big deal that they they want to now make all these inroads into the states uh, officially and not just kind of randomly throw some events from here and there. They really want to come and get your business and get your money. Nick, the reason why this is particularly salient right now is that just last week we learned that WWE failed to purchase Pro Wrestling Noah and make it into essentially NXT Japan. So while WWE's inroads into Japan aren't happening. New Japan, meanwhile, is coming over to the U.S. and making it happen. Uh, obviously, that's, that is, has to do with the difference of how they're going about it. WWE is trying to buy an existing brand in Japan, whereas New Japan is actually trying to just come over here and make their brand work uh, with, with already uh, present interest. So what do you think about their plans here, Nick? Is this something that you think is, is it too soon? Do they not have enough interest? Because they're trying to run like around 2,000-person arenas for the most part. Like, do you think they can, they can sell out those shows? Because they've had trouble in the last couple of tours selling out shows. I think the last couple of tours, I'll do air quotes and say tours that they've done, have been one-offs, one-off appearances in a particular venue that might have been appealing to people. I see what they're laying out now is a long-term master plan to conquer America with the New Japan Pro Wrestling style. And if that means bringing Okada and Naito and Lance Archer and uh, all of the bigs and, and, and Jay White and everybody over here 
so that we can see what they do in New Japan in the States and we can expose uh, those of us in the States that have not seen anything but WWE before, maybe NXT. Yeah. They haven't seen it before because they haven't had the New Japan World subscription. Okay, it looks like there's a battle plan now versus what's usually just like a one-off appearance. Exactly. Um, and, and I think that's really, really smart. My question is, where's the funding coming from? Who's well, financing this operation? And, I mean, are we still looking at Don Callis? Are we still looking at Gato? Are we still looking at Kevin Kelly? Are the usual suspects going to be involved in this? Or do yes. we have a whole new team of people coming with it? No, from what I understand, Gato will still be the booker. Don Callis isn't really working with New Japan anymore because he's mostly working with Impact now. Kevin Kelly will likely oh. be their their point person in terms of the commentary team. And yeah. he has been doing a lot of work trying to get the American audience involved by creating content on his own uh, with New Japan. So I figure like, they'll probably put a little bit more power behind Kevin Kelly and give him some more uh, ability to do things. But what I'm looking at is, in terms of their talent, my big question here is, are you going to make your talent? Because one of the things that they've been doing in the past that is, was really smart was working a schedule that kept their talent from getting injured. Lots of right. tag matches uh, between big shows, and that way they can go harder on the big shows. If they're also doing tours out here, will they be able to... Well, they said they don't want to take any existing shows in Japan and keep their schedule there consistent. So do they have enough of a roster to put up talent here in the States that people are going to want to pay to see? Or are they going to run their talent more ragged a la WWE? Because as it is, like people don't realize how many shows they do. They do do a lot of shows in Japan. It's just a lot of them are less intense matches because of the way that they build their stuff over there, but they build their shows and their tours, hmm. which is smart. Um, Does that somehow really, water down what they're act, what they're going to be doing over here? If that's the case, would be my that's kind of my question: Is are they going to how are they going to take their existing roster and run extra shows over here? So that's mm. I'm very curious to see how they plan to do this. This is mostly going to be taking place in the spring after Wrestle Kingdom, from what I understand. Right. 2020s when they're really going to start implementing this. So it will be curious to see if they start expanding their roster, if they start uh, bringing on more people from the U.S. Uh, or if Okada's little plan to get them to work with AEW uh, has any fruits. So that was going off. to be my next question. Is Do you <laughs> think that this is somehow baked in an agreement or a deal to leverage, uh, whether it's Impact or Ring of Honor or AEW or a mix of all three, you leveraging that talent pool to facilitate the new Japan of America? To me, it would make lots of sense if they, because they they used to have a relationship with Ring of Honor, and people are joking that because Ring of Honor booked Enzo and Cass at Madison Square Garden, New Japan has been on the outs with them. But it's a lot more things than that. Sure. Uh, but they, it seems like they're on the outs with Ring of Honor right now and trying to go their own way. But if this, you know, if they do get, if they do warm up a little bit with AEW. Uh, right now, it's a very chilly relationship because of how AEW was started, kind of on their backs, on New Japan's backs. If they if they thaw that a little bit and work with AEW, uh, who has a lot of money and now a lot of eyes on them, I think that would be of huge benefit to New Japan if they play their cards right. So for them to get a working relationship going with AEW, uh, I think it would be mutually beneficial. If yeah. the two of those companies did get to work together, start working together and supporting each other the way that New Japan was with Ring of Honor for a while and the way they were with Impact for a while, even though, 
back when it was TNA, even though that ultimately really didn't work out for New Japan and TNA completely squandered some of their talent. Uh, people still haven't forgotten what they did to Okada, which was embarrassing. So, um, yeah, so that's where we're at right now. New Japan making inroads to the States. It's going to be an exciting 2020 for New Japan and for the wrestling scene in general here in the United States. And I can't wait to see how this goes, Nick. But yeah, guess what, that's guys? Not the only- more wrestling. More wrestling. More. More that's shows all it, to go That's all to. it means. Who cares Good. about all of the logistics? Good it's Lord. more wrestling for all of us fans here in the States, especially uh, we're getting more exposure to more New Japan uh, content here b- based in the States. And yeah. if it does it turn into some megacorp coalition between Ring of Honor Impact and AEW and New Japan, <laughs> wow. Like, How yeah. spoiled are we as fans of professional wrestling at this point? We're That's really spoiled, all I got to say about that. Yes, uh, but speaking of being spoiled by professional wrestling, Nick, we do have to talk about Raw's go-home show for Crown Jewel. Oh, wait, that's totally the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, we do need to talk about Monday Night Raw. Oh, I got to do it. Oh, I got to. Oh, you ready? I gotta... Uh-oh. Oh. Uh-oh. If you're, if you're oh. watching us on YouTube, you know, but if you're not, if you're listening to Woo! us, Nick is over there styling and profiling. Can't keep these gators down. No, strutting over there. Ric Flair Uh was on airplane flying fire Uh, last night on Monday Night Raw. Uh, For good and bad. Um, I I have a lot I want to say about this, but being a a huge Ric Flair fan, growing up with him as a kid in Charlotte and other areas, Ric Flair is this person in real life. (laughs) If you see him at South Park Mall in Charlotte, or he's in it, he lives in Atlanta now. But if you when you you did see him out and about sure. in his Corvettes and his Cadillacs and his you know you'd see um, wearing his Rolexes, he looked exactly like he did last night. Just not not as old, not his age, but still in the suits, tailored suits, yeah. Oh, yeah. and all the bling and all the gold and the loafers and everything. It's you so, know they, they call it living the gimmick, but I don't think that it's a gimmick with Rick. No, there it's was a certain Rick. point in the '80s, maybe even the late '70s, where he just transcended his gimmick and just became that. Right? It's like he did a full Johnny Depp transcendence and just he became yeah. Ric Flair. Well, he was out first thing on Raw this week. We opened the show with the woo, and out came Ric Flair to cut probably the best promo Ric Flair has cut in years. Uh, he was in there. He was talking smack to the audience, telling people that he knew their mother back in the day insulting the Cleveland Browns who were sitting in the front row and putting over Crown Jewel. And frankly, of anything that's happened so far with Crown Jewel, this Ric Flair talking me into giving a crap, it, you know, not only is it a case for the old school promo talking butts into seats, here's a guy who can still do it, but it was also and Flair an and Hogan shit talking each other. I mean, talk about transporting me back. But you, know? you look at Hogan last week, and they had him on a Skype call from Florida, and it just seemed like you were talking to your crazy grandpa who yeah. you know had never given up the past. Meanwhile, and Flair he stood comes up, out and you couldn't week. even see his head; you just saw like his torso. <laughs> right, and his wig was like a sideways, and you know you're oh. sitting there going, "Oh, this is kind of this is kind of awkward." And then Flair comes out this week on TV in the middle of the ring and shows that yeah, his best day maybe behind him but he's still goddamn rick flair yeah. and you he's still exciting when he when he when he's on he's the best he's the best and this so was this, this is was, after he's I had a there's video that came out on social media that he spent the entire weekend drinking and partying with post malone 
uh, I think, which was a, a, a two Ohio Cleveland, Are you kidding uh, me? Cleveland, Ohio, and Columbus, Ohio oh. stops on post Post Malone's tour. I didn't see that. Uh, yeah, oh my God. I, I didn't drink a while ago, but I'm drinking again, and I'm yeah. here with my boy Post Malone, and we're getting get all that right. And then Can't shows up on Monday Martini night. Raw. glasses down. Right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so oh. uh, I didn't so much enjoy the in ring. Like I loved the in ring bits, but it got a little long winded, and they sent what? someone out to. It, it did, but what I loved was they cut to him on the side with Sarah Schreiber, and he pulled what I felt like took me back to what we're seeing again in NWA power. I felt like Ric Flair was back in the NWA studio cutting a big promo on me again when yeah. they did this, the ringside one where yes. he just got up. She couldn't keep the mic in front of him, and he was yeah. just flailing about around. going off and doing Ric Flair, and Flair. I almost lost my mind. It was so good. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is we were spoiled here at the top of Raw. Uh, you know, we'll, When it's good, it's good, and they started off with a Flair promo. He invited out his number five team member for his Team Flair, which will be facing Team Hogan at Crown Jewel. And his number five pick was none other than Drew McIntyre, who, yes. who Flair put over huge on his way out. Uh, and Drew McIntyre then had a match with Ricochet. And unsurprisingly, they put on a barn burner of a match. It was a very exciting match. I don't think any of, any of us who watch enough of the show thought the outcome was ever in doubt. They had to get Drew over yeah. on his return. On the way out, he was beaten by Ricochet and King of the Ring. So, yes, ultimately, after a bunch of false finishes, Drew McIntyre did pick up the win. And then afterwards proceeded to brutalize Ricochet all over the place, including a goddamn Alabama slammer on the stairs outside, which got, got a genuine My cringe God, out of him. him. Oh, Jesus. Ah, oh, he's dead. oh, no, 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 Stop no. The match. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so they put on a great match, and as you said, the entire time Rick's outside just being all animated, and then he has a great interview with Sarah Schreiber. So great introduction to Raw this week. That was a great kickoff for it. Um, if you've I, never watched WWE before, and that was the first thing you watched, right? You're in. Like you're invested at this. Who's this crazy old cobbler? Cobbler just going crazy and Who I can't who's this giant Scottish man beating by. up this little little guy, throwing him around all over the place? I'm in. If but the little the guy's doing stuff that to. humans shouldn't be able to do, the yeah. big guy, everyone's charismatic in this. And you know, this is actually that's a really that's a really good point, Nick. Is the last couple of weeks a lot of discussion has been around. If you're a lapsed fan or a new fan coming to WWE because of all other promotional work about the Fox deal, their new season on of Raw on USA, whatever you want to call it, if you're new eyes to the product and you came in on that Friday SmackDown, you'd have been like, eh, I don't really see what people like about this. It's flashy, but it's it's kind of cool. There's some good stuff to it. The Rock was cool. Yay. Becky Lynch seems like she's cool. Yay. But you're not really going to – there's a lot of it that was, I thought, really off-putting. If you watched the beginning of actually if you watched most of this show this Monday night raw I would say about 75% of it like I would show to a non fan or to a lapsed fan and be like see stuff's pretty good like WW honestly raw for the most part was very watchable this week yes I had an absolute blast, and I have more to say once we go through everything. I don't want to ruin anything up front, but on that topic of you know continuing All what right, we were well, just talking about, I want to go back to at the end. So let's good. go through the rest of the show. Well, I'll put the pause button on that then and go to another bit I liked a lot, and that was Seth Rollins 
who apparently the fiend has gotten into his head and he's trying to get into the fiend's head by burning down the funhouse and yada, yada, yada. But luckily that wasn't the focus. The focus was on Umberto Carrillo, who was watching another match, another uh, match we'll talk about later between Andrade and Sin Cara, watching that match and he was interviewed afterwards. Hey, you're now on Raw. What do you think about things around here? And he said, basically, essentially he said, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to some good competition with guys like Andrade. One day I want to be champion, but I'm going to be the kind of champion that doesn't burn things down like Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins hears this, and later in an interview, he catches Umberto Carrillo walking by and says, hey, I heard what you said. Didn't appreciate it, but I get it. And tell you what, how about your first match on Raw be against the champ, and I'll see what you're made of. And then they went out and had a great match. The only thing I had to say about that match is, uh, that that really bugged me because I liked a lot of what they did there. Yeah. What bugged me, Nick, was that the crowd did not get it at all. And they were chanting for Wyatt throughout the entire match. Even though this was supposedly, and I thought technically speaking, it was a star-making match for Humberto Carrillo. Yes. It was a match where you know basically he comes out and people get to see what he's made of and Seth puts him over, which he did. And he shook his hand afterwards after he beat him. But you know Carrillo put up a good fight. It was definitely one of those like, hey, here's the new guy. He's going to be good one day, you know, but he's, he's still got some things to learn. But it was absolutely like, welcome to Humberto Carrillo. And what, did you think that the crowd kind of ruined this match? Like it could have been better with a hot crowd? Oh, yes. Last week we praised Indianapolis to the moon, or Saturday yeah. we praised Indianapolis to the moon and back. I want to do the opposite tonight. Yeah. Because Cleveland, Absolutely. I don't know what the hell you were doing. Dude. You had one of the hottest opens to a Monday Night Raw that I can remember with Ric Flair, the legend Ric Flair coming out and getting a dream match that they yeah. gave away, a pay-per-view main event match that they gave away in Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet that two years from now will be headlining a show. Mark okay, my words, I'll, give you, okay? I'll give you that one. I don't know about. I don't I know. I can't a, believe a they right did now. that. But I understand why there's a lot of new people showing up to watch wrestling here recently with AEW and the move to Fox. But right. uh, I, Cleveland, you got to do better. There were they had the, they had some highs. They're like they were. I thought they were hot for the Ricochet McIntyre match. They were dead for Seth Rollins and Umberto. And I don't know if that's. There's one thing I want to point out that Seth Rollins should still be really over. Like across across that area, but he's not. Is that because of the finish to Hell in a Cell? Is it because he's playing the heel against Humberto Carrillo in this match, which is odd booking given you know how ten tenacious his hold is on the crowd right now? Uh, so there's a couple of things that I I could point at WWE for here, but the crowd did a lot of just stuff that bugged me. Uh, they were chanting "What" at a certain segment. We'll we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, there was just a, this one where they were chanting for Wyatt. Uh, there was a couple of times where the, the crowd, I, I think did not help the show any, and yeah. they were given the opportunity to, if they were been an over crowd, they had the matches that, you know, that a good crowd deserves. They wasn't, it wasn't like they were getting, getting crap. Like they were getting good matches. Um, Anyway, I don't want to harp on the crowd like it is what it is, but uh, there was there to. was definitely some. Do <laughs> yeah, better. Was definitely, I was definitely having some beef with it uh, on this one. But let's talk about the Umberto Carrillo because you know I've been saying this guy's been blue chip ever since NXT, and he's finally his first match, and they're giving him Seth Rollins. 
Like, what, what do you think they see in Humberto Carrillo here? Just based um, on what they gave him here. The, having a I, promo I almost backstage. want to talk about it in the bigger picture and how he ended up in a match with Seth Rollins. Can we skip ahead and do that a little bit? Because I think that's important to set the groundwork of why, how he got that match in the first place. Oh, I just said. I, I, that's, that's why I led into this with was, you know, the way that, uh, that Seth gave him the opportunity and he had the promo after the... Uh, the other match, the uh, the match with Sin Cara and Andrade, yeah. you know the the th- the way that they led into it, I thought in particular really focused on him. They gave him a full promo, and the guys, he, I feel like he could eventually be a good promo. Like the way he was reacting to Seth when they were setting up the match seemed very kind of genuine. He has that kind of oh gosh G Willikers boy band Magoo. look to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like he definitely has that that innocence to him that a, any baby face really needs and you know having dimples the size of the grand canyon doesn't hurt <laughs> good lord um he's adorable but right the, 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 at the end of the day he did come off as earnest with his promo he's got to work on the technical stuff but i feel like there's lots of room to grow i i've been saying it forever dude Carrillo is going to be a big deal if they if they just keep him on that straight and narrow and he gets a little bit more experience He's so young, and they're skyrocketing him, you know. So yeah. we'll see. He the looked fantastic. The match was well. I I, I liked it. I, yes, the spots I, I was, that I he did meant... get shows what they've been watching on two hundred five live for the last exactly. year. I thought you meant he looked great with his Power Ranger outfit. That no, was, uh... we'll leave those jokes aside. Um, there were okay. plenty of memes floating across the interwebs over the last twenty four <laughs> hours, uh, yeah. pointed at Umberto Carrillo. So. Well, uh, the irony is, is that Seth apparently can't wear his all-white outfit. Uh, Vince won't let him because he looks too much like a white Power Ranger. But yeah. yet, here's Humberto Carrillo in like a kind of you know flamey dragon white Power Ranger outfit. Anyway, yeah. uh, I thought that was a little goofy. I'm not a big fan of his entrance music, but some people apparently like it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, th- he'll, I think he'll that, get packaged and just be called Umberto soon, and that's when. You oh know no! It's, don't it's you say it! Don't you say it, <laughs> Howell? No. You know it's coming. No, I don't know it's coming. Just keep him doing what he was doing on the show. A little earnest babyface promo. Go out there, act like a babyface in the match. Get over. He'll be fine. Yep. Dude, is a, uh, he is a tall, good-looking, insanely athletic, charismatic young guy. Uh, in addition, they have an incredibly strong uh, Latino lucha-based uh, group of good guys and bad guys over on Raw. There's tons of guys for him to work with and get over with, like Sin Cara, Andrade, Ray. Uh, the, he is he is in a perfect position right now, like the way that they've got him. So I'm yep. very excited about the future for Roberto Carrillo. That being said, Seth Rollins, I'm a little more worried about. As you may have heard me say at the top of the show, that red light, it's back. They had a main event dark match after this Raw where Seth faced the Fiend in a cage under the red lights, Vincey, McMahon, you don't have to put on the red light, but he did, and it was a four-minute match where Seth stomped the Fiend a bunch of times and then walked out of the cage to win it. And people apparently were pissed. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know about you, Nick. I'm real nervous about the Crown Jewel Seth Rollins Fiend match and the fact they're supposed to have matches after that. They're being advertised as far ahead as November 11th now. The feud is going to continue. Oof. So not only the fallout from Hell in a Cell and that match, um, we're, not only are they doing it again in Crown Jewel, but we now have the November 4th and the November 11th match again 
and it's last man standing and falls count anywhere and steel cage and all. Yeah. Hell, they're just running the gamut with everything, and they just this is what we were talking about, guys. I want the to take highest two highs, seconds the lowest here. lows. This is what I was talking about two months ago, coming out of SummerSlam. Yeah, and, and I know I sounded preachy, and I know I sounded thing, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was, I was right. They couldn't, they keep it in your pants. They couldn't just the let it marinate, let it percolate on its own. It was doing fine. This is what you get when they don't. When they just, oh my God! It's gear. funny because you're usually hashtag skeptically optimistic, and yet in this case you were skeptically pessimistic. Yeah, and you were I saying think, I, I didn't think I, they could do it, and I had hopes that they might, and and just let it ride out. But as soon as Finn went to NXT, and as soon as we saw <laughs> Hell in a Cell, I was just like, oh, no, there goes no. that idea. <laughs> so much All for right. that. Done ranting well, I, about that shit. No, you're not. We'll be ranting about it for the next few weeks because it's right now. It's one of the biggest mind-bending bungles that's going on in WWE. For a while there, it was the botching of the Roman Reigns, uh, who's attacking Roman Reigns storyline that went on for weeks and weeks, and they completely screwed up. And now it's how in the world are you ruining the fiend and taking out your top babyface at the same time in such a rapid, rapid amount of time? Like such a quick, like like in matter of, of of days, days, you're murdering two of the best characters in WWE. Yeah, and you're doing it as you said, Nick, because they can't just slow burn this stuff. They have to get it right out right now, and not let things just simmer and settle. And that was what the, one of the great things about the Fiend was. It was all summer we were building to it, and then as soon oh, as he shows shows up, you know, it all comes out right away. A week ago, Seth Rollins burned down the the Firefly Funhouse, but a, apparently it's going to be back. Yes, it was too. announced they're uh, going to return on SmackDown. They which good, good reset button. You, you never should have burned it down in the first place. The you know that's one of the essential ingredients to this character. So I'm glad they're bringing it back. Passage Master in the chat said that Vince has Alzheimer's, and I want to be careful with that. But are we concerned Ooh. about Vince? At this point, and his I don't mental think it's Alzheimer's. Health. I don't. Well, that's it. Yes, his mental health. Yes, I don't think that it's Alzheimer's. It's it's founder's disease, for one thing. Yeah, you know the the thing where everybody likes company, their own brand. Everyone <laughs> likes the yeah. Sure, he likes to smell his own farts. If you want to call it that, yeah. you know what I mean. Like he, it's something where no one can tell him no now, right? This is how we got the Star Wars prequels. Was people who get to a point where they own something. And no one can tell them that they don't understand what works and what doesn't work anymore. And if they make these huge mistakes, there's no one to, to nail their feet to the wall. So it's, that, that's, that's more what it is. Is just If you look at Vince's decision-making over the years, he's not really doing anything that different from what he's ever done. It's just before he's had enough people and he's been up against the wall enough in certain situations where he's had to change his ways. He's had to modify his natural instincts to fit the situation. And that's really all we can hope for here is that you have enough talented people on the WWE payroll right now to work against Vince's quote unquote better instincts, better judgment, right? right? Like Paul Heyman. Um, Maybe hit or miss like Bruce Pritchard. Uh, a bunch of other creative guys who are back there who can you know, work when Vince McMahon is not necessarily overseeing them as much, even though he does always have final say. 
Um, you know, if Vince is going to screw up the main event picture over and over again, which he will, that's what he concentrates on, then at least we can have a solid mid-card or a solid upper mid-card where good stuff's happening, like on this Raw. Uh, and frankly, you know, if enough does happen in the wide world of wrestling to start cutting in on WWE, if they start seeing those numbers on, on Fox continue to slip, and six months down the road, Fox starts getting cold feet, that's going to really make them change up yeah. and, and get desperate and try things and maybe not go with Vince's instincts. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what the future holds right now because they are kind of on a knife's edge. And if Vince keeps screwing up stuff like this, it's really going to come back and bite them now more so than a lot of other times when really dumb things have happened yeah. and they've let it slide. Yeah. No, I agree with so. that. It's it's having been around somebody with dementia and Alzheimer's in the past and my grandfather I'm referring to for that for the mm -hmm. record. Um it's it's interesting how the transitions take place over time, over long long periods of time. And I'm wondering if there's you know, passage you bring up an interesting point there. I'm sure we would hear about it if if there was something there. I'm I, I'm sure the board would know about it. Well, but this is um, you know. this is, I think, more my point is that you know, I, I also my grandmother passed away from dementia, and so I've I've also seen it firsthand, and that's not what's happening with Vince. It's not like he's losing control of his faculties, or sure. that he's he's forgetting things or anything. He's out of touch, but he's always been kind of out of touch. What he thinks is cool has very rarely actually been cool, and so. Now we're in a point where he's even more distance from what's quote-unquote cool. So when he does something, when he makes a creative decision, because the guy sleeps like three, four hours a night, it's not like he doesn't have an engine. And it's not like he's not cogent and aware. And he's back there running like most of these shows. Like the guy is very capable and he's very smart and I think he's very sharp and with it. The problem is, is that what he likes seems crazy to us because he's not willing to accept that what he likes isn't working or doesn't work. And that's very different from not having all of his faculties. That's just not having a handle on awareness yeah. of, of reality. But not because, not in, in the sense of a dimension. Not that he has a medical condition right. to it's that. Just, right. It's just, it's ignorance. It's willful ignorance. It's, again, it's founder's disease. It's a guy who doesn't need to be aware of these things because he believes that he's always in the right. Yep. Or, you know, and the few times that, that I have heard about people changing Vince's mind, it's because they come up with an idea that he can then put his stamp on and say, okay, well, I created this, right? Um, what's the, what was the famous example of the Royal Rumble? I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. We, we, have, to, we have to move on here. But yeah, we got to go. There was one, <laughs> yeah, where they, where they said, uh, hey, why don't we have uh, Shawn Michaels come out second and then run the whole thing? And Vince said, well, why don't we have him come out first and have him run the whole thing? Which, if you think about it, Royal Rumble starts with two guys. So either way, it doesn't matter. But Vince wanted to make sure that his idea was the one that was finalized, right? Yeah. So he can get credit for the idea, even though ultimately it wasn't his idea in the first place. Anyway, we digress. But that's a, that is an interesting comment about his mental health. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something else that was good on Raw. And I'm sure, Nick, this is one of the ones that you were, you were salivating to speak on. Yes. The I, OC... I just, I, uh, I, I, the raw tag division, in my opinion, it's as back. far as I can remember, has never looked as good as it does right now. 
Well, it's, it was one week, Nick. Calm down. <laughs> well, uh, two weeks. I don't know. You're right. Two no, weeks. I, I'm talking about Viking like Raiders the. Week. You talk about skeptically optimistic coming okay. out of the draft, the results of the draft, the AOP teasers for a month straight now, uh, the OC, OC formations, the Street Profits finally getting a match, and not to mention the fact it was the main event, a tag yeah. match was the yeah. main event on Raw featuring the Good Brothers and the Street Profits. Oh my well, God, the one clear, thing that popped that Cleveland crowd was the Street Profits. Yeah. How well, well be, did that work clear, out? For TV... Uh, AJ and Humberto was the was the main event because that's the end of the second hour before they really get some competition from sports. Whereas this was kind of the secondary main event. That being said, I agree with you in the sense that the crowd felt like it was the main event. And my God, the Street Profits got that crowd hyped. Uh, this was, of course, based on last week where the OC attacked Street, Street Profits backstage. The Profits said they were going to go find a third person and then have, a, have three on three this week. But they came out and it was just the two of them against AJ, Gallows, and Anderson whose new entrance is fire, by the way. Sick. Mm. Uh, Profits coming out, getting in the crowd, getting people hyped up. How, uh, so two things before we talk about the match, Nick. Is, is OC AJ the best AJ with his promo backstage where he's saying, like, oh, they want the smoke? It's illegal in Ohio, don't you know? Yeah. Come on, you mother lovers. And then Gallo's getting all mad and sad. I hate Cleveland. Yeah. Was, is, this, is this the best form of AJ, like just the – Crap, heel. Uh, it's my favorite. Yes, so catchphrase, far. spitting, cocky AJ. Yeah, it's like my this, it, this, it's this, my favorite, and I love that the street profits are making fun of the typical AJ tropes, like the Southern Georgia <laughs> got stuff, and then the mom hair, soccer mom haircut, and just right. continue to do that stuff. It's fantastic, and it feeds right into the OC and, and their yeah. personas as well. So this right now, with everything circling around the Raw Tag Division, I'm. I'm very, very excited about the potential here. Uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about this tag team turmoil match. If I'm being honest, that's going to happen next week at Crown Jewel. How do you, how do you compare the OC and their presentation right now to like the undisputed era in NXT, which also feels like a group of jock douchebags with a bunch of in jokes? Yeah. Like, do you, do you see like the like is this uh, is it both working? Are they too similar or? Or do you think they're independent enough that they're both really fun and, and can work on their own? I think they're independent enough. I, you know, you've got the legacy of, of Machine Gun Carl Anderson, who had a money promo, by the way, last night. Um, and then AJ and their legacy and history of what they've come up through, both here in the States and abroad. And then you've got the sort of newer era guys, that's the undisputed era, um, that it, they do feel similar. And I think they tickle both of the same, they both tickle the same fancies that we mm -hmm. like in our heel teams or heel factions like this. Um, I think they're different enough to differentiate themselves, but they, they usually, you know, get the same result out of me, which is just, right. hee -hee. you know, my inner 12 year old and all the in jokes and all the, the innuendo and everything like that just goes <laughs> nuts for this kind of stuff. Right. Well then what about the street profits? Because we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how sometimes their presentation uh, has been a little grating or it seems a little bit, stereotypical uh do you think that they had a they've over the last week and a half like with last monday and then this monday now that they've gotten a little bit more serious do you feel like they're a little bit back more towards where they were in nxt where it's more it's a better presentation it's a better present it's a better version and a better presentation to a l 10 times larger crowd 
than what we used to get in full sale. And what I, in a down crowd that was Cleveland last night, let's right. be clear about that. And the one thing I saw that crowd hyped about last night, other than some spots of Umberto getting acrobatic, was the Street Profits. I saw Thanks Montez on. Ford run out into the crowd and take a baby out of some lady's arms and dance with the baby. And I can't remember the last time I saw a baby that happy. That was a happy baby. That and was that a was happy the, baby. And that was the fade-out image from the show. That was, at the end of the show, uh, that was Montez holding the baby and the baby being so happy to be in his arms was the closeout image for the show. If that's not... if I mean, that's, Montez just signed his ticket. That's a brass ring moment right there. But not just that, the match they had too, which strangely enough wasn't three on two, which is what we were led to believe. It was a two on two. It was Gallows and Anderson versus Street Profits with AJ hovering around outside. Okay. I felt a little WWE misled again. I want to put that a out little there. Bit, Much like little Friday bit. Night SmackDown's debut with the Stone Cold and Undertaker and everybody's right. going to be here. And we've now been building whoever the smoke is for two weeks. We've been speculating. Is it Aleister Black? Is it Cedric Alexander? Is it, is it Buddy Murphy? Who's it going to be? No, no, who's the, the, who's the, the smoke? smoke? Is, Nick, Nick, the smoke is a pot reference. No, I, It's it, not a person. Is Or is it the smoke and mirrors of... It's nobody. No, 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 no. You're reading way too much into this. Fine. You're, right? thinking, you're thinking way too hard about this. It's, but I, I was taking it they're literally. They're subtly saying that it, it's, it is a double meaning where they want the smoke, meaning they want the action, meaning bring it on. Okay? Yeah. It's, a, it's a cultural thing. You can go. Pass it. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. If you want to check out Urban Dictionary, you can figure out what this means. Yeah. It also means it's like a subtle way of saying that they like to smoke the, the marijuana. Yeah. The devil's lettuce. I okay, love Nick? you, Mary It's Jane. not... It's not them saying we want the smoke as in we want a third person who happens to be nicknamed the smoke. What show were you watching? Were you having some smoke while watching the show? Well, I Nick? mean, apparently is so does that mean Kevin Owens is a is a marijuana bud because he came no, running out to interview? No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, well, I don't know That's what's going on anymore. <sighs> All right. As Nick as Nick said, Kevin Owens did come out to save the day when AJ Styles got involved. <sighs> Kevin Owens is not a large nugget of weed, although that would be very interesting yes. to have as a gimmick. Uh, <laughs> bring a whole new meaning to the Rastafari term and comes out and uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no way, Jose, with his dreads. Right. That'd be the perfect one. Give, give him a Rasta gimmick. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh. There's, a, there's another stereotypical gimmick Vince hasn't gotten to right. do yet. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I mean, he kind of had Kofi Kingston for a minute there. Yeah. He was Jamaican. Um, anyway, anyway <laughs> Kevin Owens coming out. So uh, it looking like to me, uh, looking like they're going to have Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles for the U.S. title, which rings a bell from like two, three years ago where we had that. And it was kind of a botch of a of a feud. Do you think they're going to do it again as trying to like a make it right kind of feud? You're talking about AJ and Owens? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th I would be much more into it now with what's happened with Kevin Owens' return throughout the summer. Uh, you know, he being the one that ended the Shane run that I despised greatly and that most of us despised greatly. Um, I, I face Kevin Owens is, you know, going against people like the OC. Heel AJ, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm down for that. Uh, the yeah, role so reversal of that I'm interested in. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it. I feel like I would like to see redemption for that feud because I thought that could have been way better. Yeah, 
You know what I mean? And like, yes, is it the same feud we've seen before? Yes, but it's also WWE, and there's only so many feuds you can have. And there is now, as you said, the role inversion in this. So fine, give it to me. Let's go. Um, but yes, ultimately, the Prophets do pick up the win here and then go kiss babies. So yeah, Prophets get over big uh, in their first Raw match. OC, Gen- General PSA here. Please don't hand your tiny baby to sweaty wrestlers at a wrestling event. Why I, not? I, I'm just saying. that. Not everybody. I mean, don't hand it to Snitsky. Uh, well. <laughs> but, you know, you can hand it to Montez Ford. That's okay. Uh, anyway, let's, let's move on. I thought that was – I was really happy with that whole bit, that whole segment, everything. Not so much, of course, for King's Court with Rusev. We had Jerry the King Lawler interviewing Rusev. Very awkward interview. King just having trouble getting those sentences out in any kind of exciting way. The crowd chanting what at him, which again, Cleveland, naughty, naughty, naughty. Luckily, Rusev had one of the better what chant shutdowns I've seen. He's up there with, he's not as good as Undertaker, who has the best one of all time. Um, Say what again if you sleep with your sister or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then Alexa Bliss, who said, uh, say what if Alexa's the best? What? Exactly. Uh, this was, he just stopped, turned to the crowd, and he just shamed him. He just said, come on, everybody. He's a Hall of Famer. What are you doing? Even WWE went, oh, on oh. Fox's Twitter account got in on the action. So it's not true. even not even the USA team, not even the, the Raw team. It was the Fox on Smack, or the SmackDown on Fox team yeah. tweeted well, the out what enough is, with the, the what chant. The is the worst. Yeah. The what chant is the worst. Like, even a CM Punk chant at this point is annoying, but the what chant... Is the worst. Let Thanks, them Stone get Cold. out the damn promo. Stone Cold's the only one who can have a what chant. I'm 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 making that rule for this show. Stone Cold's the only one who can have a what chant. What exactly a what chant? What a what chant? He's the only one who can have it for him. End of story. Anyway, okay. so we had Rusev <laughs> come out, and Jerry the King Lawler said, "You've been very quiet about this whole Lana thing, Bobby Lashley. It's salacious. It's gross. What's going on with it?" And Rusev said, "Well." I blame it all on Lashley. It's his fault. I'm going to kick his ass. But I still am in love with Lana. I still wear my wedding. What do you say? Wedding, wedding wand? Band? Wedding wand? <laughs> his wedding band. And uh, he was still he was all hangdog. And then Lashley and Lana show up on the monitor. They're at a restaurant that apparently Rusev never took Lana to and she always wanted to go to. Because, you know, Cleveland, they do have the best restaurants in the world. And uh, so it's understandable. Yeah. She always wanted to go to this restaurant in Cleveland. But uh, Rusev says, well, I know where they are, so uh, I'm going to take this into my own hands. And he heads off to the restaurant. And sure enough, later on in the show, Rusev breaks into the restaurant, trashes the place, tries to beat Bobby Lashley's ass, and gets arrested and hauled away. Nick, was – is this – do you – okay, you like this the soap opera stuff. Yes. Now that this isn't just like silly, salacious stuff with, with uh, Rusev getting cucked to his face, which it still kind of is. But now it's getting more soap opery. Are you coming around on this? Do you see a way this could actually get Rusev over at this point? I don't know how, but yes. I, I think there <laughs> I think there is somehow that they can do this, whether it's a sympathy vote for, for Rusev. Here's my problem uh-huh. with what happened last night. They didn't let him go. They didn't they they immediately stopped him before any like table flipping and throwing food fights. They flipped two tables. Right, but they they didn't they didn't let him go like Booker T and Stone what Cold did, in the grocery store let oh, him come go. On. You know what I mean? Like let those those are two of the biggest dudes in the in wrestling. 
Like, how are you going to stop them with like three skinny little security guards? Okay. I, and how I, are all I, those security I, guards at a restaurant in Cleveland? First, that was the cops, and they knew that he was coming. Remember, the manager tried to come over and kick out Lashley and Lana. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because right, Nick. Okay, wait. That's the thing. You're wait. Where did those security guys come from? How did the? Meanwhile, it's a, a set. <laughs> it's obviously not it's a very restaurant. Obviously, a set. There's a camera in there watching Lashley Lana the entire time, but right. you're sitting there going, "Where did those security guards go? This makes no sense at all." Damn it, WWE. You asked me about uh, the soap opera, so that's what I'm, I'm just I'm let saying, the boys beat the shit out of each other. That's what all okay, I wanted that, to see. That I agree with you on. I wanted to see more action here. Like you're, you have this beautiful set. Destroy it. Yeah. Have these dudes go for it. Yes. And I, I agree actually want to see Rusev fight for his wife. If this is gonna be soap opera, and sure. he is making all these, con- if he's gonna m- go through all the effort to go to the restaurant, chase her down, confront the man that's that's going after his wife or cheating on his uh, with his wife. I, I think he's gone I mean, after, her, after his wife. I think we've established that they, uh, he has gone after his wife and his... <laughs> so <laughs> turn him run. loose. Like n- Little security guards wouldn't stop a man that was hell-bent on hurting the guy that had taken his wife. And that's where the believability less, yeah. of it ends. Oh, and they should have just let them beat the hell out of each other. Okay. I don't know about believability, but they should have. there should have been more action here. I agree. But... I think more than anything, what I took away from this is the more that they, the, the fact that they established that Ru- now we know the dynamics, right? Rusev wants Lana back. He hates Lashley. Uh, but the reason why he's a bit tormented here is because he does still love Lana. Yes. Okay. We, I, I still can't stand this angle. It still makes me just shudder every time I see it on, on the screen. I'm like, oh, God, not again. But. But for people who want this in their wrestling, who want the soap opera stuff, I now see where they're headed with it. And, okay, they could pull this off. Yeah. Do I think they will? Skeptically optimistic. Skeptically (laughs) optimistic. Uh, All right, let's talk about Ray Mysterio, who came out and cut an absolutely fantastic promo talking about how he'd been training with Cain Velasquez, WWE Universe was his family. He wanted to come out and, and get some support from them. He was interrupted by Paul Heyman. Naturally, who said that uh, that it was ironic that Ray should come out on Monday when Brock is on Friday, and that Ray's a coward because there's no way that Brock can get at him while he's in there talking smack. When who should come out? But Shelton Benjamin came out, got in Ray's face, and said, "You know, you're out here talking smack about Brock Lesnar and about your buddy Cain Velasquez. Well, you know, your buddy Cain Velasquez isn't here, but Brock Lesnar's buddy's here, and that's me." I trained Brock. I was his roommate. And he starts pushing around Ray and being like, you know, your buddy Kane got a title shot just for laying hands on Brock. Does that mean if I lay hands on you, I get a title shot? Pushes him. There's intercontinental title shot. Pushes him. U.S. title shot. Great stuff from Shelton. Great stuff. Uh, And then, of course, Kane Velasquez comes out, beats the crap out of Shelton. That's the segment. Was it just me, or was just the little fact that not only did Shelton pull off his side of this, but also the logic establishing this time that Shelton is Brock's friend and the history that they have, having it come out of his mouth, was did that make this whole segment that much, not, not believable, but more engaging? Until Paul came up on the screen, I actually thought we might be getting ready to witness a retirement speech and an unmasking. Man, Ray's been doing that for. I understand. Back to WWE. I understand, and I think we're all sitting here waiting for when it's actually going to happen. 
And I, I was in the arm sling, might have been done, beaten down by Lesnar. Ah, you know, it was setting things up that way. So, yeah, my own little head, I was going, ah, is he going to unmask here? I don't. What's going on? God. I don't know. It just it didn't make a lot of sense with the whole build towards Kane and Brock. Like, why is Ray out here talking again? You've been wanting Ray to unmask ever since you booked it in your in your like fantasy yeah. year booking on the bonus episode available only to patrons if yes. you want to sign up for patreon.com slash BWO. But yeah, dude, ever since you booked that, you've had it in your mind that Ray's going to retire and Dominic's going to take over. And stop, Nick, stop. It's okay. not going to happen. But what we did get was this great little bullying segment with Shelton, and then Kane came out. Let's talk about Kane here, okay? Yeah. What did you think about his presentation? Because Fine. he came out steely-eyed, and he just laid into Shelton with some horrible Shane McMahon punches, um, <laughs> and then tossed him out of the, choked him out, tossed him out of the ring. They were almost as bad as Tyson Fury's. They were almost as bad. He was just hitting the mat underneath Shelton. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, is it the right idea? This, so Kane was trained in lucha style. As far as pro wrestling, obviously one of the greatest MMA fighters alive, but in terms of pro wrestling, he was trained in a lucha style, and now they're having him come out here and work like a shoot MMA style. Is that a wise decision? Um, if you're going to throw punches, take Ric Flair's famous advice of hang a string from the door, door frame, and punch the string until the string doesn't move. And that's learn how to do it. You, you got to put the time in, dude. Like that's the one thing I would say to both Kane and Tyson. If you're going to come out here and you're going to be a feature and you're going to be an exhibition and you're going to be with the top guys, the top guys in all of WWE, you walk on set, you get a five-year contract, and you're going to be in a, a title picture, title shot. You got to learn how to fake punch. Yeah, you know, uh, at least pull them a little bit. You know, I understand it's, it's, it's hard for somebody who's an MMA striker like he is, uh, but I, I will say this. I've been pretty down on the whole MMA fighters thing. You could even lump Ronda into that loosely to an extent. You were very I, down on her when she first showed up. Uh, yes. I was. And and it's mainly because I have a disdain for people that are invading my wrestling that don't <laughs> that don't belong there. Okay. Right? Okay. And it's All I right. say that from the heart, right? Don't belong. But it there. but they much like Ronda, they tend to come around on me. Brock, I came around on uh, over time, especially the first phase of his career, that whole run for two or three years where he was just no-showing is ridiculous. Probably going to get it again. But Kane, I feel like Kane could be a regular staple on TV. And yes. I'm, I'm skeptically optimistic again that we could have another big powerhouse like that that is the one guy that the Beast has shown fear of. I do like how they're building that aspect, the way that Paul's selling that, yeah. that... Brock, like, this is the one guy that took it to Brock. It left him with a scar on his face. That's a shoot. Like, he genuinely beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar. And, and it says, and I'm going to come out taking, and put another scar on the other side of your face, too. <gasps> and honestly, that, you know, we talked about when reality and kayfabe kind of meld. And that's, this is one of those examples, and they've done this a lot over the years. Yeah. But when real-life stuff slides into wrestling, and this is one of the, this is a great tool for them to use to sell this match is the real-life history between these two guys. Yeah. That's, in my opinion, that's the best aspect of the whole thing. But as far as Kane goes, his presentation, they got to be careful because the guy is legitimately a terrifying human being. Like, he's obvi obviously. Um, but he doesn't look as terrifying as Brock. He's got the eyes, you know, that death stare. He's got that. He's got the, the gigantic head. 
head, huge head. Look at like the size of that fruit. boy's head. Got a grapefruit and a toothpick. But it's at a the virtual same time. Sputnik. And he's he's genuinely, like, you know, he's on record as being one of the best conditioned heavyweight fighters of all time in any sport. But he doesn't look it. No. He takes out that shirt, he doesn't look it. Whereas Did pro wrestling is all about look at walkout look. earlier. That dude's cut up right. as AF, right? Right, but yet Cain Velasquez could probably kill Drew McIntyre in Easily. three seconds or less. Easily. Which is, which is wild, and that's just how it actually is. So I'm more concerned about the perception and the presentation of Cain Velasquez, where he's out there working a style where he's used to throwing these kinds of punches where he can let go and really go for them and hurt people with them, but now he's scared of hurting people, you know. So as opposed to the lucha style, which is what he trained in. So they're kind of he's kind of undercut by a couple things right off the bat. And all he's got is his legitimacy that he comes in with. That's really all he has right now. So they have to be kind of careful about how they present him. And so far I think they're doing a good job. Well, let's just to let's, be clear. let's but, fantasy book this a little bit. Like let's let does Kane go over Brock at Crown Jewel? Do no. they do they delegitimize Kane by making Brock squash him? And get his back from the MMA fight, from the UFC I fight. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a stoppage to the match or Fair. something. But like, do they you know, make like Kane Brock look DQ or something? Do they make Kane look like a monster, or he didn't just sign this big deal to be made look like a chump by Brock Lesnar? They're building this in a no. way that he is legitimate against someone like the Beast. Right. So I, I'm constantly asking myself and going around in my head, like, what are they going to do with this guy? That's a big contract he just signed. Right. They they went and all I, in on him. And I will be shocked if they have a title change at Crown Jewel. I'll be shocked. They, I think they should. They shouldn't treat it as a glorified house show because they have to lend some legitimacy to it. But the problem is then is there's the controversy. Is that the more that's in the press, the more people think about the fact that it's in Saudi, as Rick said at the top of the show, uh, the more people are going to you know, have, have a bad taste in their mouth. Right. So I don't know if they want to have a title change at Saudi Arabia. But... They should, but I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is it for that segment. I, I wanted to talk about Paul as a possible Monday Night Raw authority figure since he's running Raw, but we don't really have time for that. We'll discuss it another time. Not really a huge deal. A uh, few other things that happened that if you watch the Hulu version, you did not see, but uh, a lot of people were getting introduced as new fixtures on Monday Night Raw, people who you may not know, reintroductions. For example... Sin Cara returned, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Andrade and Sin Cara had a match. Uh, basically just a way to return Sin Cara and have Andrade go over and then have Umberto Carrillo watch. And cool. <laughs> that was pretty much that. We had Alistair Black have a match with Jason Reynolds from Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. Went, up the, went up the border up to, up to Ohio. Also known as Jason Kane or Jason Legend. But yeah, Mr. Jason Reynolds had a match with Alistair Black. He wanted to pick a fight with Alistair Black, and he ate a foot from Alistair In Black. The <laughs> In the mush. And that was that. Alistair Black, I, uh, is this, are we back on track with Alistair now? We're not, not doing yet. the silly... Pr no. I actually theorized in the chat last night on Discord while we were watching it live that the smoke was going to be Alistair Black. That Alistair Black could be the one that comes out with Street Profits uh, to help put down the OC. Now that I've had your explanation and it's just a joint reference or a weed reference, I, I don't know if I buy that completely, but all right. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to see my less of Alistair Black sitting in a room under a single spotlight and more of him 
murdering dudes yeah. in, in the ring, please. That's all I want. What were we saying earlier about Vince McMahon not getting things? He doesn't get what Aleister Black's character was, what, his, what the source material is for Aleister Black's character. So he's trying to create his own backstory for Aleister Black's character, having no idea of how to present this guy based on the character we were given in NXT. Now, there's an episode That's, back about a year ago where I laid it out for you guys. So just if you're listening, just go back and, and creative. Just go and listen. I, I told you exactly okay. how to do it. Just, okay. <laughs> yes. Listen to Nick's booking. Right. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. We'd have Dominic as the as the universal champion right now. Well, he came out this case. week in the Sankara masks, but he, okay. he just hasn't been revealed then, yet. Oh my God. Uh. All right. Well, for one thing, Sankara is way shorter than Dominic, so that is absolutely not true, sir. And I I will not have you poisoning our listeners' minds with your nonsense. Also, not on Hulu. Our Truth, the twenty four seven champion. No longer the 24-7 champion. He lost the title to Sunil Singh, one of the Bollywood boys, uh, and then later trapped Samir Singh and pinned him, not realizing that it wasn't Sunil Singh, so he did not win his championship back. Sunil Singh, still your 24-7 champion. This was brilliant. All right. I actually really like this. That's fun. Yeah, that was, was fun. It was a good time. Viking Raiders are back to squashing dudes. This time it was uh, Hawkins and Ryder who got murdered by the big men. And the current Raw Tag Team Champions. Uh, is this okay that they're now squashing dudes still? Or should they be in a feud at this point, Nick? Or are we waiting for a feud to happen? Um, I think I'm waiting on AOP to appear. Jesus. AOP uh, versus how, War Machine. How do you book that so that the they both look good? About yeah, but how do you book that so they both look good, though? I don't know. Like, just wars that don't end in finishes or what? I mean... I don't know. Speaking of AOP, they had another don't promo. Don't ask me we also how had you some... want to book it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, they're, all, they're all winners in Nick's book. Yes. Uh, we had some video packages for Andrade Cien Almas, Alistair Black, and Buddy Murphy. Got a little love. He's currently on the, on the Australia tour teaming with New Day now that Xavier Woods is hurt, which we'll talk about later. Um, we had uh, – and that was it for the show pretty much. Like it was, it was a solid Raw, as I was saying. Yeah. Um, I thought it did a great job of putting over the newcomers between, you know, Humberto Carrillo, uh, Street Profits with that, with the with the baby and the, the all the match that they had and all the screen time that they got. Um, some love thrown to Alistair and, and even Buddy Murphy. Like, they did a good job, I think, getting over a lot of the new talent. They, uh, the, all three hours, I thought, was pretty entertaining for the most part. Even the stuff I didn't like, I, it was watchable. Yeah. So, uh, what, yeah, what did you think about the show as a whole, Nick? This so, week? as a whole, this is what I was waiting for and what I was alluding to earlier in the show. And you won't hear me do this very often, but I saw a tweet from one Mr. TMZ himself, Ryan Satin, last night oh, after the show. Oh, and Jesus. I have to give him credit because I saw it first here. He tweeted it, and I wholly agree with it. He tweeted, day one of Heyman-era Raw after the draft. Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, given the time for a dope match. Lucha yes. influence being injected into the show without pinatas, universal yes, championship, yes. Uh, universal champion in a competitive match against an underdog, Alistair yes. Black, Viking Raiders, AOP, and Street Profits, all, all on looking one episode. like all money and OC, all looking money. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you're that summed it up for have, me right there. That's all. If you missed Raw last night, it was banging. It was fantastic. And that's the thing. If you are a critic of WWE, um. With some exception on the show, like I would have a hard time really kind of like you could be like, ah, it's just not my thing, but it's, it's hard to critique that. Like, that's a good start for Raw. It really is. is. Like, if this is if this is the new era with Paul Heyman, it was a solid start, man. It was still very WWE, and that's just the style of it. 
But for a WWE show, it was pretty damn good. If I had to give one so. negative for the show, it would be this whole advertisement and aura of this mystery partner for the the Street Profits. And that was a little bit, that was a bit of a bungle, yeah. And, and it, because I mean, the match on its own, the Good Brothers versus Street Profits was fantastic. Yeah. And it's well, only if I turn get my better. brain off for it. If I just like, I was like, all right, I guess it's just a tag match. I turn my brain off for it, and then Kevin Owens comes out to save the day. That was exciting. That was fun. Yes. All right, fine. Yeah. I would like some consistency, but it would be a nitpick for me to say that. Yeah. So, um, also nitpick that they showed the uh, the Saudi Arabian uh, parade, the opening day parade for in Riyadh for the stadium, and there was a WWE float with Roman Reigns with a championship belt and the Undertaker with a championship belt as giant floats, and the Undertaker was actually on the float. I wonder how long he had to sit there with his eyes rolled in the back of his head. That sounds really uncomfortable. But Ow. Undertaker having no they problem. They probably paid him a lot of money for it. Taking that money. Yeah, Undertaker <laughs> taking that money. Undertaken. He has a new belt, too, by money. the way, apparently, for $750 on the WWE store. Jesus it looks Christ. like the Divas Championship from 10 years ago. <laughs> Anywho. Oh that's All it right. for well, Monday Crown- Night Raw, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed yes. that breakdown, but we're not done. we got to head over and talk about what else went down over on 205 Live. Well, to be honest, 205 Live this week was a little bit dry. We yeah. had a, a three-way match, the Tony Nese one, that, that they even said didn't really have any ramifications. So I'm wondering if we're going through a transitionary period on 205 Live uh, where they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. If it's going to be an NXT extension, they're kind of, I think they're kind of in a holding pattern with the storylines. So that was kind of strange over on 205 Live. There's still some feuds happening, but yep. nothing's really happening that's of any import well, right Vic now. Vic Joseph came Rush over to Raw, um, and, and I'm seeing, we're seeing Morrow refer to the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Right. Uh, things like there's little nuggets and drops and hints of things that where it looks like NXT is going to absorb the cruiserweight division where it's just another title and another uh, rank and file amongst WWE instead of being its own standalone. Right. But they keep they keep taping shows. So until they stop doing that, it, it is what it is. So. It is what it is. They're also taping shows over in NXT UK. I want to run over and talk about that. The show this week was quite good. Ilya Dragunov defeating Sa- Saxon Huxley. Uh, Imperium defeating The Hunt, looking strong over there. Not surprising. Imperium's trying to look uh, strong everywhere. Zaya Brookside defeating Nina Samuels. I think that Zaya is a, also a blue chipper. Yep. Uh, she's one that's going to be coming up pretty big, soon. I big upside on to, her. Yep. Yeah. She's kind of like the Candice LeRae of, of NXT UK. Uh, Noam Dar and Trent Seven are still having their very entertaining feud. And the big news out of NXT UK this week, if you saw their uh, takeover in Cardiff, you saw Webster, uh, uh, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews pick up the tag belts in a huge hometown win. Well, this week, they lost them to Gallus. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang took the belts off of them this week on NXT UK after another great match. So NXT UK still rolling on, putting out some good stuff. Um, while we're talking about good stuff, I have to bring up NWA Power. Which, if you're not watching, I think it's it just came out a new episode today. We don't have the breakdown of that because we had to be here to do a show. I had to, I didn't have time. I'm At sorry. some point, we have to stop rest, watching wrestling and make a show about it, and then go back to watching <laughs> wrestling for another three days and make a show about it. It's this I'm vicious a human cycle. Being. I am just a man. 
but uh, but it's been fantastic. If you haven't been watching it yet, they're only an hour long, and they're amazing. They're awesome. They're they're old school. People are saying you shouldn't call them a throwback. They're just reminiscent of the. That's a throwback. That's exactly that is what a throwback. It is. When something's reminiscent of an old style and an old presentation. It's a throwback. Yeah, Jim Cornette talking all high awesome pitching, the Southern voice giving commentary on Tim Storm. <laughs> And Nick Aldis going at it for the championship. Uh-oh. People cutting old school style promos at a desk in a studio. It's beautiful. Tim Storm did lose his uh, championship opportunity on that first episode. He, he uh, had a match with Nick Aldis. If he lost, he would never be able to ch- challenge Nick Aldis again. On today's episode, he's supposed to talk about what his future is going to be. And uh, I can't wait to find out because I'm, I'm kind of worried about the dude. The, the show this today is called The Twilight of Tim Storm. Ooh. And I'm uh, uh Uh-oh. I'm a little worried about that. Uh we're also supposed to have uh uh Marty Bell and Caleb Conley in action. Eli Drake will be on the episode. Colt Cabana boom, boom. will be on the episode. There it is. Josephus and James Storm will all be on the show. One thing I love is also the fact that James Storm and Billy Corgan, their feud from TNA years ago is still on. They're still continuing this whole thing where James Storm has no respect for Billy Corgan. It's great. So NWA Power, it's on YouTube for free. You have no excuse. And if you need Watch help finding it, show. it's on. Just go to our YouTube channel, and I've got a playlist right there on our channel for you. You can find all the videos. Easy peasy. Yeah. Yes. It's it's fantastic. So uh, we also have New Japan has its Super Junior Tag League going on right now. Currently the standings, Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero, the coaches, the team of the coaches, undefeated, 3-0. and oh. what? Yeah. Well, they said they were going to team up one time only for this tournament, and they're killing it right now. Uh, we've got Desperado and Kanemaru with four points. Fantasmo and Taiji Shimori worth four points. My picks to win it, by the way. Volador Jr. and Titan with four points at 2-1. and one. Uh, Shoenyo at four points at 2-1. and one. And then down with two points, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles. What the hell, boys? What? What's going on? Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles. This is not how points. I expected this to shake out. <laughs> no. It's it's throwing me. It's throwing me hard. Uh, and then, of course, TJP, Clark Connors, and Tiger Mask 4, and Yuya Uemura both uh, have not won a match yet. Oh, boy. Oh, and three. So, uh, as, as we all know, Power Struggle on November 3rd, the first and second place teams will face off. The winner will go on to face the champions at Wrestle Kingdom. Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori are the champs, and I would love to see them win the whole thing and then challenge somebody to take their belts from them because they have recently, of course, defeated Osprey and, uh, and Robbie Eagles uh, at King of Pro Wrestling. So, yep. um, Excuse me, at the event before that, Destruction. King uh, of Pro yes. Wrestling was, yes. was Osprey and uh, Phantasmo. So, yes, fun stuff at New Japan heading towards that power struggle on November 3rd. Now we got to talk about the big pay-per-view from last weekend, Nick. It's time mm. for Impact Wrestling. Bound for Glory happened last week, and I w- or this last weekend. And I got to say, dude, it was entertaining as hell. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's well worth a watch. Some really fun stuff. Uh, and also, probably some of the most insane spots I've seen so far this year. Yeah, this, I'll, some I'll tell of you this about stuff was nuts. Um, I didn't want to spoil it in the group. <laughs> I, I, I kind of did, but... Oh, my God. I watched and I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Uh, I'll get to it, though. The dark matches for the show was Madison Rain defeating Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi on her way out the door to NXT. It's no surprise there. The Rascals 
defeated Dr. Wagner, Taurus, and Aerostar, which is surprising. That match was supposed to be on the main show, but I guess they didn't have time, but, uh, which is too bad. Did that was Aerostar a, that was attempt really to kill match. himself again? Every time. Every time. Okay. Every time. But on this show, he was uh, upstaged by, by both Ken Shamrock and uh, Ace Romero, both of whom tried to kill themselves much more so than Aerostar did on this show. We'll get to that. The main show, we had the Call Your Shot gauntlet match. If you win this match, you get to call your shot at whatever title you want in Impact. Uh, we had the, the order of people out. Eddie Edwards out first. And then Reno Scum out at number two and number three, respectively. Jake Diener at four. Rohit Raju at five. Joey Ryan makes his debut at number six. It's official. Joey Ryan has signed with Impact Wrestling. Interesting. And he's taken... He has brought his magic penis to Impact Wrestling, and the first thing he did was get everyone in a human centipede of dick grabbing, where uh, they one, you know, one guy grabs his crotch, and then someone else grabs his crotch, and someone else grabs the other guy's crotch. There's a centipede of people grabbing crotches, then Joey flipped them all. Super mega dick three. flip. Rohit went over the top rope when this happened. Oh, man. It happened. <laughs> yeah. So Joey Ryan, now officially in Impact, and he proceeded to get his ass kicked by Jessica Havoc, who was out at number seven. Rosemary out at number eight. Madman Fulton out at nine, and Fulton would stay till the end, of course, because it's Fulton. Uh, Cody Diener out at 10, Johnny Swinger at 11, Jordan Grace out to wreck stuff at number 12. She was in almost to the end as well. Swoggle out from underneath the ring at number 13. Swoggle come in and biting people. He bit, uh, he bit, he bit Jordan Grace on the butt, even like he was just, he was being <laughs> Swoggle. Kira, I'm sorry, he beat Kira Hogan on the butt. She was out next. Right. Uh, she didn't even notice though was the best part. Uh, Raj Singh out at number fifteen. Tommy Dreamer in at number sixteen, and then number seventeen, Kylie Ray. Kylie Ray, supposed to be the star of AEW, comes out and makes her debut on Impact at number seventeen in the Gauntlet match. Drama, drama, drama. I said yeah, something there. Still, still hasn't been resolved. Like we haven't found out what happened with her in AEW. Um, and you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm f- no, keep, and that's keep the, thing. Keep the like, business under the covers and everybody go about their business. That's, the I'm the report was it was a personal issue and it's none of our business. That's literally okay. Cool, fine. Move All on. All right, if it's if it's that personal, then congrats, Kylie, on on getting signed. I'll say respect that. that. Yep. Back in there's a good woman's division in, in on Impact. So sweet. Fala Ba out at 18 and wreck stuff. Sabu out at 19 and wreck stuff. And finally, Shira out and destroyed everybody. Uh, at number 20. Last person standing was Eddie Edwards running the entire gauntlet going from first to last. Eddie Edwards is your winner and has the call your shot uh, accolade. Mm. He will be calling his shot at which title he wants. So very cool. That was, a, that was a very fun battle royale gauntlet Royal Rumble thing. I had a lot of fun with it. Not the way I would have uh, expected that to go down. I would have expected a George Grace no. or... You know, uh, somebody that they've been pushing recently to, uh, uh, to come out of that. Eddie know? Edwards was, he was a guy, I thought i thought it was a possibility. When he came out at number one, though, I was like, oh, never mind. But then, I, and, I, and Sawyer Fulton was the guy that I thought was going to be uh, the one to win it all. And it was, actually came down to him and Eddie at the end. So, hmm. yeah. But, uh, but hey, not mad at it. Yeah. Um, I think that could be some, some good stuff with Eddie going for either the X Division or the heavyweight. Uh, next, we had a women's match, Taya Valkyrie and Tennille Dashwood, formerly known as Emma. Uh, Tennille, she's a baby face. At the end of the match, Taya Valkyrie got herself a chain, tried to 
hit uh, Tanil with the chain. Tanil got a hold of that chain and went to punch Taya, but then thought better of it. And then Taya took her out and won the match to retain her women's championship, knockout, excuse me, knockouts championship. Oh, so, Emma. I know. Oh. She's just, she's too nice. She's got to stop that. Yeah. Uh, we had, okay, this is, well, this is one of the big moments in the show. We had a triple threat tag match. The North versus Willie Mack and Rich Swan versus Rob, Van, Dam, and Rhino. And this did not go how anybody expected. <laughs> because it looked like, <laughs> good Lord, it looked like Rhino was going to win this with a gore. But before he could pull it off, RVD super kicks him in the face, takes everybody out, turns heel, yells at Rhino, and leaves. And the North pick up the win. RVD turns on Rhino and turns heel. Damn it, Rob! In, 2000, in 2019! Good Lord. That was very shocking. He's now the most... Uh, well, mm, I was going to say the most hated man in Impact, but it's between him and Sammy. I think Sammy's yeah, like I think too Sammy's over still got to be hated. On, uh, on him a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. It's debatable. It's debatable. Ooh, people were Sammy hot. keeps beating up women. He's he's not. He did, it's not going to be a, cha- <laughs> a, a challenge at all. Well, man. Well, we'll talk about Sammy in a second because yep. uh, that was a heck of a match too. We had Michael Elgin versus Naomichi Marafuji. Which, damn it, I hate Elgin, but this was a great match. It really was. F- Marafuji still got it, uh, and yeah, they went all out. It was a lot of fun. Although Elgin did pick up the win in the end. Then we had the five-way ladder match for the X Division Championship. This was the match of the show, in my opinion. Ace Austin, Ace Romero, Tessa Blanchard, Daga, and Jake Crist. Jake went into this match the X Division Champion. He did not leave the X Division Champion because stuff got crazy. Um, first and foremost, uh, Jake Crist ate a, a, a Canadian Destroyer onto a ladder on the outside. That was stretched between the the ring and the guardrail, thanks to Ace Austin. That was gnarly. Then you had freaking Ace Romero, who, if you haven't seen him, he's spherical. The dude is like 450 pounds. He's huge. He climbed the damn ladder in the middle of the ring and got pushed. The The ladder got pushed, and he went off from the top of the ladder, threw a table on the outside, and then the ladder came after him. That's I I screamed and jumped over the back of my couch and soiled myself. Jesus, is Dog Ziggler okay? Uh, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, we we registered it as a three point one here in California, so <laughs> it wasn't too big for us. We're we're used to we're used to worse than that. But uh, that was absolutely terrifying. Spot of the weekend, in my opinion. Mm. Absolutely nuts. I I, I will post now that I've spoiled it. I'll post it in the group. But that was mind blowing. Uh, terrifying, terrifying move. And then at the end, it looked like Tessa Blanchard was going to pick it up after interference from Fulton. But no, as she's climbed the ladder, looks like she's going to win it. God damn Ace Austin jumps in with a baton, knocks her off the top of the ladder, and Ace Austin is your new X Division champion. And this was, a, this was definitely a swerve. I thought this was Tessa's to take. Me too. Maybe they, maybe they have a longer-term story for this in mind, but I was shocked by that finish. Maybe they're, so. they're going to let Sammy beat her up with a champagne bottle or a bat or something. They've already, dude, I, I she know, and Sammy have already been through their stuff. Oh, I like, I, 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 they're going on a different tangent now. <laughs> they're like buds now. Almost. That's just becoming Sammy's thing, and I'm just going to make, just continue to like poke at it. <laughs> well, him and Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan's a big advocate for intergender matches, too. Yeah. He's now an impact where they obviously have no problem with intergender matches. So it, we saw we'll a lot of it in Lucha Underground as well. So I, you know, I, I'm a fan. Yeah. I, I actually like yeah. it. 
If done right. Yeah. If, if you have someone who looks like she can step up like Tessa, yeah. then, you know, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, Ivelisse and Son of Havoc and Lucha Underground, was, they had yeah. a huge run. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I don't see, you know, in this world of equality that we live in and equal opportunity and everything, like, there's no reason not to. Like, if the girls want to get in there and do it, let them go. I, I don't see any reason not to anymore. Yeah. So, if you can, if you can do it where it doesn't look like they're being abused, sure. <laughs> Basically, sure. make it make it look like they're competitive. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it does feel weird. Yeah. Uh, we next had Moose and Ken, freaking Shamrock, uh, who still looks terrifying. I'm sorry, he was a little rusty at a couple points in this match, but he also did he did a goddamn tope. Ken Shamrock did a freaking tope over the top rope, tope con hero, and uh, almost landed on his head. And Moose in one of the most pro saves I've seen in a long time, grabbed him and basically pulled Shamrock up so he didn't smash his head on the floor. Uh, saved him. But my God, Shamrock in 2019 doing a tope. Crazy. But Moose did, of course, pick up the victory here. Shamrock says he's not sure what's next, but was glad he got back in the ring. I am too. The dude looked good. He could show up at Bloodsport 3, and I'd be very happy with it. Yep. Oh, he, he, he's he one of the right dudes of- uh, all time that I, I still mark out over to this day. And he follows us. Mm-hmm. I hope he listens. Hey, Ken, if Ken, you're listening. Dude, you're the man. Yeah. Seriously. Fantastic. No, I, I actually, dude, I, I was, I was uh, next to him at uh, when I was over at uh, All Out, or no, sorry, Double or Nothing in Vegas. Um, got a chance to, to stand next to him. And I didn't want to look him in the eyes because I was afraid that I'd blow apart like leaves or like Spider-Man at the end of Infinity War. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. But uh, yeah, no, he's still a terrifying human being. And I would love to see him do some more work. Uh, and finally, the main event, Brian Cage versus Sammy Callahan after weeks and weeks of Callahan doing dastardly, horrific things to Brian Cage and his wife, Melissa Santos. Mostly to his wife, mostly Melissa to Santos. <laughs> mostly, mostly to Melissa. Sammy was doing some horrific things. Uh, <laughs> hitting her with wine bottles and whatnot. Brian Cage finally got his hands on him. No, no, hang on. But we not- need to qualify that. He smashed a champagne bottle over her head at their wedding. <laughs> it wasn't like they were in the ring for a match. It was a wedding ceremony, Sammy. <laughs> it's good stuff. We don't talk about Impact enough on this show, man. They're doing some good stuff. Well, it, I, what, in the last 12 months, it's gotten a lot better than it was two to three years ago. I Definitely. Um, there was a big downturn there for me, and I... I quit watching it. It's, it's sounding like I need to get back into it. And hell, it's on Twitch basically for free. So there, yeah. there's really no excuse. So Yeah. Well, this show you had to pay for, it, but it was yeah. it was I think it was well, worth sure. it. Well, sure. Fight TV for show. 30 bucks. Especially because Brian Cage, who already has enough Wolverine references in his presentation, came out dressed like freaking Weapon X, <laughs> which is of course the best Wolverine. Yes. Uh I like robot eye and all. Came out and uh, and actually even used the Wolverine claws during the match. By the way, uh, it was a very entertaining match. It got hardcore pretty quick. They made it no DQ earlier in the night. Uh, you had pretty much you had the guardrail get set up in the ring and people getting power bombed through it. You had uh, thumbtacks, of course, for the finish. Lots of hardcore stuff. Sammy got busted open pretty quick in this match, and uh, the finish was awesome. Sammy Zayn uh, pile drives Brian Cage into the thumbtacks. Sammy Callahan goes to pin him. Sammy Callahan, Sammy Zayn. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Sammy Zayn comes out of nowhere. What is Sammy Zayn doing in the Impact Zone? Oh my! Why God. is Shinsuke Sorry. here with the with the Intercontinental <laughs> Title? 
Shinsuke comes out, drops Intercontinental title into a trash can. Shinsuke Nakamura to Impact Wrestling. You heard it here. Okay, we digress. Okay. Sammy Don't Callahan. Don't take any of that for real, guys. <laughs> Good Lord. Sammy Callahan yes. drops Brian Cage on his head. Pile driver on the thumbtacks. Rolls him over. Pins him. One. Brian Cage kicks out at one. Hulks up and murders Sammy Callahan. One, two, three. Brian Cage retains the Impact Championship. Good stuff. Wow. Good stuff. And Melissa Santos comes out and he carries her around on his shoulder like Macho Man and Elizabeth to finish the show. Good stuff. Impact. Very nice pay-per-view. Uh, I would recommend checking it out if you haven't already. And honestly, like I'm going to have to cover Impact more in this show because they really are putting on a good product right yeah, now. Yeah, they are. So. Yeah, they are. Well, guys, that's it for the show. Oh, no, wait. We're not done yet. What? We got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Xavier Woods tore his Achilles tendon while on tour in Australia. They were worried about what it was at first. They were hoping it was a strain. It is a tear. That means our boy is out for about nine months, uh, speculatively. Could be as little as seven if he's lucky, but likely it will be nine months Achilles are no joke. Out. At least it didn't rupture completely. Um, I've right. heard that actually happen on the baseball field, um, and it sounds like a shotgun Yep, getting shot. It's a, <laughs> it's a loud pop. So if it's just a tear, yeah, you can get around it. You can clean that up. But if it's – he's really lucky but it's it not means, a full rupture. Maybe he'll be in a boot for uh, – he's already got the genie oh, yeah. boots. Maybe he'll have a really big genie boot and be ringside for New Day. But uh, that definitely puts a, puts a damper on them for right now. And yep. they're the they're the champs right now, aren't they? I don't uh, even know. I don't hashtag know WWE. Yeah. Hashtag WWE. I'm all in on Raw's tag division right now. I'm not even paying <laughs> attention to what's going on over on SmackDown right now. You know who's not the tag champs on SmackDown? The Usos. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dives, bad dives. Shamrock took one, but he was saved by Moose. Say what you will about Moose. The man just saved Ken Shamrock's life. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on our on our Facebook discussion group about dives recently. Laparka. Probably a good example of, of why you shouldn't do as many dives. He took a bad dive over the weekend and had to be rushed to the hospital in the middle of a match. And he had to have his fourth vertebrae, had to have surgery for his fourth vertebrae, have that worked on. Mm. Uh, he is recovering right now. They're saying he'll be okay. But the first 48 hours after that surgery is really where you can tell if there's going to be permanent damage, even partial paralysis. We don't know. So... You know, keep your keep your uh, keep your heart open for Laparka. Guy is a legitimate legend. Hopefully, he gets better very soon. Kenny Omega. Speaking of uh, wrestling down south in Mexico, Kenny Omega defeated Phoenix to become the AAA Mega Campeon at uh, Heroes Inmortales. Wow, Kenny Omega is now the top dude in AAA. Mm. And he's playing. He plays a heel down there, by the way, which is great. He refused to shake Phoenix's, Phoenix's hand after the match. And just mocked him with his belt. So interesting. I'm wondering because, as you know, they don't, you know, right, well, for a while there, no longer, he just got stripped. But Moxley was the New Japan US champion, North American champion, and, uh, excuse me, US champion. And the, he wasn't showing it on AEW TV. So one wonders if they will take the storyline over to AEW where Kenny is the Triple H champ. Because remember, they had the AAA tag belts. Right. Didn't they bring the AAA tag belts to um, Fighter Fest? And they, they had the match with Lucha Bros? Lucha Bros? Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, the Young Bucks were the champs, and, and they had the, the title match. 
Did Boy, we ever actually see the titles, though, the belts You did. You did. did I bring just, them I'm on. curious. So, yeah, yeah curious I don't see if... any reason why Kenny shouldn't bring his title. The only reason would be because in storyline, he's a heel in this feud, but I don't, yeah, right. I don't know why he wouldn't yeah. otherwise. Good point. But anyway, yeah, he's the, he's the new AAA mega campeon. So, go figure. Mm. That's kind of crazy. It, by the way, it was also a baller match. In fact, this whole, the whole show was nuts. AAA puts on nuts shows. Uh, Daga beat Drago for the Latin American Championship, and uh, I, I posted some some gifs of this match. But uh, there was a there was a big gauntlet match. Ijode Vikingo beat uh, well beat everybody else. He won the Antonio Peña Copa, but him and Torres were the last two guys in this match, and they went balls out, nuts. I, like I said, I posted some 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 gifs of that over in the Facebook discussion group. It was insane. Uh, also, finally, Pentagon Jr. and Tejano Jr. beat Chessman and Pagano, Psycho Clown and Rey Scorpion, and Dr. Wyden Jr. and Averno in a Relevos Increíbles cage match, which was just chaos. It was just chaos, but it was so immensely fun. With, with that, with that six pair, I can only imagine what the hell went down inside that cage. I did not get to see this. <laughs> I don't think you can. I don't uh, think you can imagine. The, the, it was I, I can only imagine what's in there. Yeah. It was good stuff. Psycho, dude, Psycho Clown is so goddamn good. Actually, hey, look at that. Uh, we just got a call out in the chat. Uh, Passage Master. I agree. Psycho Clown is the man. Yeah. Uh, in NWA news, as of today, Nick Aldis has held the NWA belt for one year in his second reign. Last year, he beat Cody uh, to win that belt back. And uh, he is now your champion. For one year, so I don't know if they have anybody who's going to unseat him right now because that guy just carries himself like a champ. I mean, you know, doesn't let his valet speak, but still carries himself <laughs> like a champ. Let me someday call this. Uh, Alex Shelley, formerly of Motor City Machine Guns with Chris Saban, he's going to the Performance Center. He tweeted out mm. that he will be heading to WWE. The dude's 36. To me, this feels like he's cashing in his chips. Uh, he's ready to have a, have a stable job. That's what it, that's what it feels like to me. I'm totally speculating. I'm gonna throw that out there right now. But uh, Alex Shelley to the Performance Center also confirmed Jake Atlas after having a ball around this year in the PWG Battle of Los Angeles. At Jake Atlas will be headed to WWE. No word yet on if they'll acknowledge uh, the fact that he is openly gay, and they're a company that likes to send people over to Saudi Arabia. So I'm very curious to see what they do there. Jake Atlas is a, I think he's a, a great prospect. Guy has a lot going for him. So look forward to seeing him be repackaged in the Performance Center and show up soon on TV. Uh, so you may know that there's a new WWE game out right now, 2K20. Uh, if you bought the SmackDown edition, you were promised an autographed picture of Edge. Not everybody got it. A lot of people got just a picture of Edge with Oops. no autograph. Oops. Uh, a couple of fans made note of that on Twitter, and Edge said, well, that sucks. Here, tell you what, I'm going to set up a P.O. box. Y'all send it there, and I'll sign it for you and send it back to you. What a good dude. I mean, just, Good guy, Edge. You don't have to do put out the left. That takes some effort, right? He may be rated R, but he's grade A in my book. Oh. Well done. Well done. Uh, that being said, hopefully this does motivate 2K20 to try and make it right yep. and not have to leave it all up to Edge, who didn't even have anything to do with this. It just happens to be his picture. So, but yeah, good job, Edge. Uh, so you may have noticed this week on AEW TV that Jim Ross loves calling Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, or Jungle Boy Jack. 
Well, he got into some hot water about that on Twitter and all over, you know, the interwebs because wrestling fans are notoriously level-headed and don't like to really voice things when they're disgruntled. Right. Uh, so, given the kind of decorum that is normally applied, they reamed him up and down about this. He got defensive about it and said, "I'll call him whatever the hell I damn well want." And frankly, you know what? I'm opinion moment. Opinion moment. And Nick, I want your opinion on this too. I think he's right. And here's why. Jungle Boy, while a great nickname, is limited. I think that at a certain point, he's not going to be a boy anymore. He's going to look a little bit older. And Jungle Boy is, you have to change it or something, right? To call him Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and this, is, this was actually Jim Ross's argument, was Jungle Boy is a nickname, Jack Perry is his name. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin. With the fiend Bray Wyatt. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. Right? So Jungle Boy Jack Perry. So ultimately, he can go by Jack Perry if he wants because that's his name and drop the Jungle Boy if he needs to, right? Sure. He's double branding him. Yeah. And so with that explanation, I'm totally on Jim Ross's side for doing this. Uh, also, Jungle Boy chimed in and said he's totally cool with Jim Ross calling him by his name as well. Um, so all y'all who are Then everybody about, else's argument is invalid. Invalid. Be, uh, yeah. If Jungle Jim Boy's Ross okay with it, he wants. nothing else matters, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, you can say it was Jim Ross maybe being a bit muddled at first, but the thing is, if that was a tactic on his part to try and get Jungle Boy over and and create a, a larger career for him, I think it's brilliant. That's fantastic. I really do think that was good, and you, good and job. And you have Jim to remember, Ross. Jim Ross comes from a background of talent relations. Right. His exactly. background in the '90s was finding talent for Vince for for WWF before he ever yeah. got on the commentary desk. So. <laughs> This is what he does. This is what he's I mean, good at. Let I him agree, do it. We, were, we, we took him to task for his, his commentary for New Japan because it was unmitigatedly awful. Like yeah. He didn't know the names of moves or wrestlers. But here, I think he's 100% in the right. So, yeah. yeah. Amen, Jim Ross. Yeah. Preach, my son. Uh, CM Punk. I, I wish I could spend more time on this because we're, we're, at, we're kind of out of time here and... This is a, a, kind of an interesting thing. So he was interviewed uh, for, the, for Barstool Sports' My Mom's Basement podcast. And I may just post this to Facebook because basically in this interview, he talks out of both sides of his damn face. He says, I want to come back to wrestling, but at the same time, I'm not going to do it unless someone brings me a big enough bag or basically pays me enough money. And I don't want people to court me, but I want someone to come to my door and do it the right way. That's courting you. Wait, what? So, again, I, uh, and he says, no matter what he says, he gets reduced to clickbait and gets warped. Uh, he's, uh, he's heard so many iterations of people saying, oh, punk hates wrestling, and none of that was ever the case. Uh, this is a quote. I think I've always been open to it. My attitude has always been that I don't see it happening. I think I've talked about it more recently, but my attitude hasn't changed. People always ask what it would take to go back, and I say it would take a big bag. So people use their imaginations. I actually think both companies, WWE and AEW, have used the fact that I've been whatever about it to kind of rope people in every now and again to make people think I'm coming back on a specific show at a specific time, basically to put themselves over. And that's my insert. Uh, he says, whenever a mystery opponent is announced, they'll think it is CM Punk. There's nothing wrong with them trying to do that. They texted me secondhand an offer, and it was I was like, real offers only, please. Um, and he says that he's not sure about AEW. But uh, anyway, I'll post this whole thing. I don't want to. There's so much more that he was talking about. Punk doesn't have short uh, conversations. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's very verbose. 
Uh, he says, I don't, I don't do things for me based on what other people think. There are people out there who think he's just coming back because he needs the money. Do I? I don't think I do. But he'll only, but, but he, if he says he's only going to come back for a big bag. So I think that, uh, let me see if I can interpret. Well, can you interpret this for me, Nick? Because so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. If in, he in, said, in yes, I'm willing to come back, can you imagine every single small town regional promotion in, the, in wrestling right now? And there's uh, hundreds of them that are out there that are very small, uh, try, lined up at his door with a $500 check going, hey, will you come do a spot at our show? What he's referring to is he, he's filtering, right? He That's all he's right. doing. He's making sure that he doesn't end up with that line of promoters out the door um, just trying to get latch on to the name of CM Punk for the draw. What he's talking about is if somebody shows up with a real contract for right. seven figures and is going to offer him title opportunities and a reign and a sure. position, and it's a, he needs a real opportunity. So would I love to see CM Punk come back? Sure. Am I holding my breath out for it? Do I think I'm missing out on anything? Not really. I mean, mm. Phil sounds like a great dude. You know, it's as a, as a Twitter personality, he's a hockey fan. I love hockey. Oh, okay. But, you know, I see. It's the same. He sounds very. He sounds like an arrogant prick to me, but he also sounds like he can be a good dude as long as you're on his good side. But yeah. it's very hard to stay on his good side. I, I is what it sure. sounds like to me. Uh, and and I think that's the difference between local Joe Bob promoter showing up with a five hundred dollar check that might cash, uh, versus a big seven figure contract from a billionaire corporation. And that's one of the things he you says know? in this is that he says, I'm the white whale I'm the white whale in pro wrestling. I don't know if that freaks people out on how to approach me, but it is what it is. I'm open to the idea. I haven't been approached properly. I'm not courting anyone to show up with a dozen roses at my front door. Yeah. So I mean again, you know, CM Punk, one of the things that makes him CM Punk, makes him who he is, is he really doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks about him. He's gonna do his thing, and that there is, you know, you do have to respect that on a certain level. Um, so, yeah, I'll post this in the Facebook discussion group. Y'all can figure out what you think he really means here. But, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of times, even in his career, where he feels like he deserves something and gets mad when it doesn't happen. I right? guarantee you, if Tony Khan and Cody knocked on his door, said, here's a three-year With deal. With a dozen roses? Here's a three-year deal. Here's a here's a million dollar signing bonus. We're going to sign you to a big deal. We're going to put you in a program that's going to be a long term storyline. Absolutely, we could see CM Punk show up in AMW. You're going to be you'll be the champ within six months, sure. guaranteed. You know, stipulation stakes, yeah. just like any other kind of thing. In he'd wrestling, have to be the right? yeah. He'd have to be the biggest deal in the company. Own his own creative, tons of stuff. And I don't think the problem is I think that there's so so much other stuff out there right now that people aren't willing to bend over that backwards for CM Punk now that frankly he's a bit of a damaged commodity. Yeah. It wasn't like he went into MMA and beat Brock Lesnar. He yep. went in and got his ass whipped twice and looked like crap. Yep. So he's damaged coming back in. You there's can't flight just... risk. There's drama involved, potentially. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. There's the reflection on you as a company and as a promoter um, bringing somebody like that in. And it would, yeah. it would just have to be a lot of conversations that happened before any deals were ever made. So I, yeah, I'm, he, I'm, I'm sensitive to that stuff, sure. He's and Yeah, and he, he may be the great white whale in wrestling, as he puts it, or he may be Bruce the Shark. We don't know. You know, that, and I think that's why people haven't gone to his door with a dozen roses. Uh, all right, so next up, we got... Uh, he's waiting for somebody uh, to show up and go, call me Queequay. <laughs> well, hey, I will say I'm looking forward to seeing uh, his, his movie, Girl on the Third Floor, this, uh, yeah. this month for my... 
Horror Palooza Halloween Marathon. Yeah. Uh, last couple things. Uh, this Thursday, there's supposedly going to be massive Hall of Fame news, mm. according to uh, Wrestling Observer. So keep your eyes on the interwebs on Thursday. I'll post it on our Facebook discussion group as soon as I know what it is. I wonder if Macho Man's finally going in. Just wondering. Mm. And finally, if you want some suggestions for some wrestling-based content to watch this Halloween season, you can always watch Rey Mysterio because he's in WrestleManiac, which is terrible. Or you can just watch Freddy vs. Jason. What does Freddy vs. Jason have to do with Rey Mysterio, you ask? Well, in the scene where Freddy's getting, in the, where Freddy's getting beat up in the boiler room, his stunt double, Rey Mysterio. That's the news. Nice. Thank you, sir, Ian Dangerous. And thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If you'd like to join us for future episodes, make sure you pound the like button on this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel right here at youtube.com slash open. Make sure you also click the little notification bell right beside it. That way you'll get some notifications every time we post a new event or when we over we go live so you don't miss a single episode and can join us in the chat. If you want to come hang out with us some more offline, you can do that in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook or in our Discord server. You can find links to both of those down below in the description if you're watching on YouTube or across our various social media profiles such as Twitter and Instagram, which you can find us at BWO Podcast over there, as well as our Patreon. Thank you very much to all of our patrons. You are the fuel that powers this machine. Thank you very much for all of your contributions. And uh, if you guys would like to get in on some of those extra exclusive perks, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO, get access to show notes, the ability to ask listener questions for our new uh, patron mailbag show that we do on Saturdays now, exclusive just for listener questions. You can get bonus episodes like the surprise one I'm going to drop on you guys later tonight for those of you Ooh. watching live. Patrons, incoming. You were warned. Yeah. Uh, a little last, hint about what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last but so, Blue Demon Jr. Hello. Blue Demon. Um, and last but certainly not least, we are on the race to 1,000 subscribers here on YouTube. So if you haven't yet, be sure to pound that subscribe button. Make sure you get in because if we hit 1,000 by the end of the year, we might have a special surprise just Ooh. for you. But my name is Nick Howell. You can I don't have to sing Tai Chi's theme song, do I? I don't know yet. We haven't decided yet. Oh, oh okay. I haven't decided <clears throat> if I want to hold uh, – I, I haven't decided if I want to still – Give out that as a reward since <laughs> the listeners weren't able to come through right. on us. But we'll see. All right. We'll, so we'll figure it out. We'll right. figure Sorry. it out. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.